was an airport, and there was a man carrying two heavy suitcases. Another man came up to him and said, Sir, uh, do you know what time it is? And this guy had a very interesting looking wristwatch. He said, Well, it's 2.32 and 16.83 seconds. He said, and uh, would you like to know what time it is in other cities of the world? And he said, you can tell that? He said, yeah, I can even tell you exactly when it's going to rain, what the high temperature will be today, the low temperature, uh, the exact humidity, weather maps. He said, I can even take this watch and point it towards you, and it'll read you and uh, be able to detect your eyes, and we can run FBI reports and find out everything about you. Like a lie detector, I can tell if you're telling the truth. He goes, you're kidding me. He said, no. He said, I could even get a list of all the prominent phone numbers or I can press this button, speak a word on a product and it'll give me the best price, exactly where to go to to get that and and be able to zoom in on that. He goes, man, what a watch. He said, where did you get that thing? He said, well, I'm an inventor. I actually made it for my son and I'm taking it to him so that he can enjoy it. He said, you're kidding me. He said, I'll give you $2,000 for it. He said, it's not for sale. I'm taking it to my boy. He says, I'll give you $5,000. I got that. That's the neatest watch I've ever seen. He said, $5,000? Okay. It's yours. I'll give you $5,000. So he took the watch off, handed the guy, and the guy started to walk away. And he, uh, the guy looked down and suitcases, and he said, hey, wait a minute. Don't you want your batteries? You know, raising kids can be that way. Just like the watch, you go, man, that is the neatest thing. Look at that. Look at this child. God, that you've given me a precious gift. And yet, then when the parenting starts, it's like those heavy suitcases. Oh, dear. Trying to carry these suitcases, trying to raise these kids. They don't come with an exact instruction manual for every single thing. It can be difficult, Lord. Kids can be a challenge. Imagine what it must have been like to raise Walt Disney. I read a story that said uh, when Walt Disney was a little boy, his mom wanted him to go outside and paint the barn. and He painted a big picture of Mickey Mouse on the side of the barn. That was the first uh, time Mickey Mouse was painted. Imagine what it must have been like to raise a kid with that kind of imagination. He didn't think like the rest of us think. He had all these cartoons, animals that talk, that were in his head and in his mind that have now come out and been shared with us in our culture. Now it's just a normal everyday part of our lives. But it started out in Walt's mind. Matter of fact, they said several years after he died, there was a board meeting at Walt Disney and one of the guys said, Man, wouldn't it be great if Mr. Disney was here so that he could see all of this as they prepared to open Disney World? He said, Oh, he did say it years before it ever happened. As you look at many of the people that were used mildly, there was a mom they give credit to. Augustine, one of the great thinkers of the Christian church, he spoke often about his mother, Monica, and the impact, the love she had for the Lord and the impact she had. I think of Susanna Wesley. You know, we think of uh, Charles Wesley who wrote 8,000 hymns, many of them that we know and sing and love. And then her son John that was known for founding what we now know as a Methodist church. 
what Miss Men like to raise those boys. Matter of fact, Susanna had 17 kids. She, for her quiet time, she would run into the closet and close the door and, lock, and, and make sure she'd have some time to pray. What a special lady. What must have been like raising those kids? And then it said later on in her years, even after they had grown, she would take an hour a week for each kid. That's 17 hours. And just pray for each kid. What a special woman. Then we look in the Scriptures and you think about Jochebed, Moses' mom. What must have been like for her to make that little basket and set the baby in the water? The only way to save his life was to let him go. And then... Hannah, who dedicated young Samuel to the Lord, took him to the temple at the appointed time, saying, Lord, I've got to let go of little Samuel. He's yours. And then you read about others. You read about the different prophets. Many characters in the Bible, we don't know anything about their moms. Then we read about young Timothy, Paul's apprentice, as he talks about his mom and his grandmother, Lois and Eunice, and what they meant to Timothy and what they meant to Paul. Paul said, your faith was handed down to you from your grandmother and your mom and it's impacted you. It's part of who you are today. I want want to just spend a few minutes thinking about the relationship with Jesus and Mary, a mom and a child. What a special child. We're going to look a little bit in the first couple of chapters of Luke and then zero in on John chapter 2 and few comments and then a challenge to all of us. But let's pray and we'll jump in the Scripture. Father, as we come to You, we have already been challenged as we have heard uh, some precious words of a mom who's deeply loved, a grandmother who's deeply loved. Father, I thank You for the special ladies in our lives that have impacted us greatly. Lord, as we take a little bit of time and think about Mary and her role as mom to the Son of God, guide us, Lord. Help us to see you, to love you, Lord. Uh, Speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. begins and we learn first about the birth of John the Baptist and then we hear about the birth of Jesus foretold. I'll pick up at verse 26. It says, In the sixth month God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary's a young teenage girl. She's never been with a man. And she hears this message from this angel of the Lord. And, and you know, we hear it so much that I think somehow we miss the shock value of what she heard. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting she was about to hear. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Notice the message here. You will be with child. Can you imagine? Her face dropping. What? You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be 
great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. What a message to a, to a young girl who's never been with a guy. And she's with, going to give birth to this special child. She says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Man, what a... What a message! What a revelation to this young girl to hear that message that the Holy Spirit, that God Himself would come upon her and that she would carry this child. And and imagine as, as that happened and then she had to share with her fiancé, she had to share with Joseph and he wanted to divorce her quietly but an angel came to him and said, Joseph, it's okay, this is of God! And they had to put up with the gossip. They had to put up with the talk as Mary's belly began to grow. Yeah, did, did you see Mary? Did you see what? There must be something going on. They had to put up with all the wagging tongues. And, and they had to put up with all that struggle. And, and being pushed aside, talked about. And then it came time for them to travel as God would work out this census. So they would travel to Bethlehem. And, and imagine what it must have been like as she felt the baby kick. And she thought, there's this special child within me. The special one, Son of God. And then when that baby was born, and that place where the farm animals were, and as she looked, and I can imagine the tears falling from her eyes as she thought, I'm looking into the face of the Son of God. How am I supposed to raise this child? How in the world? Imagine what must have went through her mind. Imagine what it must have been like to raise a perfect child. Sorry, parents. And kids, sorry kids. Parents aren't perfect either. Jesus was perfect in every way. And then we pick him up as a, about to hit those tumultuous teenage years. He's in the temple, he's teaching. His parents take off in the crowd and they realize, oh, he's not with us. And they go back to find him and to talk to him. And of course, Mary's worried, sick as she looks for him. And when she finds him, uh, she speaks to him. It says, After three days they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. This is Luke 2.46. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And notice Jesus' answer. He says, Why were you searching for me? Yes. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. We read about Mary. We don't read so much about Joseph. There's been speculation that maybe Joseph died when Jesus was just a, a, a boy. We don't know because Joseph's not in the Scriptures, but we hear about Mary. We hear about her growing. We hear, hear about what goes on in her heart. Look at the end of chapter 2 of Luke. It says, Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And then we have this gap. We don't read about Jesus for a number of years. And then we read as he begins his ministry. 
as he's set out into the desert and he's tempted for 40 days. As we read before that of how he was baptized by John the Baptist and how he was validated as the Messiah. And after that temptation in the desert, he would select his disciples and God would work in his life mightily. And then I want to come to John chapter 2 where I want to focus the rest of our time as we have the first miracle of Jesus where Jesus changes water into wine. It says on the third day a wedding took place at Canaan, Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and His disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to them, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, Do whatever he tells you. You know the funny thing about a wedding, I don't know why it is, but it seems like that there's always one thing at least that goes wrong in a wedding. Somebody forgets something key to the ceremony. Um, somebody stumbles and falls right in the middle of the ceremony. We've seen that happen. Uh, the preacher might get his words mixed up. Uh, I remember one wedding, this family, uh, most laid-back family I've known, and I was getting so nervous, guys, because the bride was 30 minutes late for her own wedding. And everybody's sitting out there, and the whole family's like, Oh, preacher, don't worry about it. We're not. Just relax. I think, But she got married. Got through it. At this particular wedding, uh, they ran out of wine. And the events of those weddings were not like, you know, you come for a couple hours and then you leave. They would have a celebration that would last for days. It was a glorious celebration. They just had a big time. They had a lot of fun celebrating this union that was going to occur. And I want you to notice here, there's this problem with the wine. And Mary comes to Jesus and she speaks to Him. And she says they have no more wine. You know, it's kind of like on Thanksgiving. Mom's working really hard to get the meal together. and She turns to her son and she says, there's no more ice. Now she doesn't say, boy, you better go get some ice. She doesn't do that. She just kind of makes the implication there. Uh, we're out of ice. Now, Dad could never get away with that. But Mom can. She, she makes this implication. We're, we're out of wine. And, and notice what Jesus says to her. Dear woman, it's a term of respect, but it's distant. It's not Mom. It's, it could be translated dear lady. Why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. It is a picture here of of Mary being addressed by Jesus and it appears that she's not been able to let go. This is her boy. She's invested her life in him. She's raised him. She's loved him with all of her heart. And, And it's almost like Jesus is going through just a natural type of weaning. He's saying here... Mom, you got to give me some space. I'm not just your little boy anymore. 
I'm out of the house. I'm headed out. I'm, I'm on a mission. Things have changed. Things are different. You see, it wasn't just about Jesus growing up. It was about, Mary, you've got to grow up. Mary, you've got to learn to let go. Mary, I, I know you want things to be like they were, but they're not and they won't be. And man, that is hard. That is difficult to hear. That's difficult to deal with. Difficult for me to think of with my daughter graduating in a week. I think this is just as much for Mary as Jesus. Uh, in one article that talked about growing up, there are these times like little epiphanies, little experiences where we realize, oh, wait a minute, I'm an adult. And just a few of these from an article I want to read. Uh, this one uh, is Jane. She said, when I was 12... Uh, we were taking a trip from New York to Vermont, and my dad needed a roadmap reader, and he picked me. And at that point, I realized, uh, you know, I can be responsible. I felt grown up. Maybe you can think of a certain little event, a little experience, and you thought, "Man, I'm kind of I'm growing up." Marcy. She said, "For four months away at college, I figured out after a steady diet of junk food that I was the one responsible for taking care of me." And what I ate, it just kind of clicked in. I was the one responsible. Valerie says, after three years I worked and saved money and was able to buy a coat that I wanted. And it was at that point I realized, hey, I'm an adult. Lisa, who's an attorney, said she remembered after law school and all these experiences standing with her first case. She had a client that depended upon her and a case that needed to be presented and as she stood there and was ready to present her case, she thought, man, other people are dependent upon me. I've grown up. I'm an adult. And there comes that time of, of breaking away of uh, a family forming from another family. But it requires two sides. It requires a child willing to break free and to move to a transition, another level. And it requires parents who are willing to let that happen. And both are very, very difficult. A few thoughts here um, on that breaking away. Number one, recognize your child is on temporary loan, not permanent ownership. We think that we possess and own certain things we call ours. But the truth is, the Bible says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And that includes family. Includes loved ones. As much as I love my children, and I cannot even put into words how much I love my children, and I know you guys feel the same way that you parents out there, but they're not really mine. They belong to the Lord. And at one point, all of us will go and meet our Maker. It may be different times. There may be some of you who, as parents, went through uh, miscarriages. And that child left a lot sooner than you had anticipated. Maybe there are others of you who had a child die that was young. Maybe there's some of you whose children had a parent die that was young. Death is difficult. And we can't control it. We can't control what happens in people's lives that we love? We don't own one another. We all belong to the Lord. 
God has to teach us to wrench that grip free and to trust Him. Thought number two, release slowly, consistently, not suddenly. I guess it begins when they're born, learning to set free. They stay, heck, those first steps and walk. And then they learn that magic word that... Um, no parent likes. No. But they begin that stage of independence. Begin noticing the opposite sex. Woo-hoo! You know. Uh, get a driver's license. Get a job. Begin breaking away. Begin transitioning. Begin that process of, of growing up. That process of letting go. It's kind of like a kite. If you've ever flown a kite and you can keep letting out string, letting out string, letting out string, and the kite gets smaller and smaller and smaller the further away it gets. And then uh, eventually, if the tug of the wind is strong enough, it can just break the string and the kite flies away. There's a natural progression. The most beautiful, beautiful truth is when a child's able to step back and to form a family and say, my parents used me to grow up. They worked in my life. God used them to, to comfort me, to change me, to, to work in me. Of course, that doesn't begin when the kid's about six. They don't take over then. It takes a while, the growing up process. Uh, third, the role changes from director and protector to listener and friend. From director and protector to listener and friend. Boy, it's tough not... You know, most of us as parents, I'm sure, have permanent um, bite marks in our tongues. Well, just want to say something so bad, and God says, just shut up and listen. And stop trying to call all the shots. Mom, Dad, let your child find his or her way. And that's so critical. And, and that's a natural progression Need you to stand beside them, not over them. Comes to that point. And then fourth, um, respect the growth toward independence. Don't resent it. Encourage it. I think it's worthwhile here in John 2 that Mary doesn't start giving directions to her boy. Now, son, here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to fix this problem with the wine. And, and I want this type of wine. And I want you to make this. And I want you to use this. She just says, do whatever he says. She's seeking to let go. She's seeking to trust Him. She's seeking to work on that process. And uh, we need to do that as well. Lastly, which is always big among us because we're, we're all a mess. We hurt each other. And as I close and I think of that process and families of learning to grow and to let go and to be together, we have to learn to forgive each other. Boy, sometimes we can really hurt each other. We can be probably the meanest to the people we love the most. And there can be all kinds of wedges driven in. And God wants us to forgive each other when that occurs. I close with a story from a chaplain, Kenyon Scudder, who's a chaplain of a prison in Oklahoma. And uh, he had a prisoner there who was from a small town in Oklahoma and this guy's parents couldn't read or write and 
This guy committed some crimes that not only embarrassed his family, it embarrassed the small town. And they sent him away to prison. He was there for six, seven years, and he tried to write his parents, but, well, like I said, they were illiterate, couldn't couldn't read or write, and he, he didn't receive mail back. And he didn't know if they were getting his mail. He didn't know if they were hearing any of these messages he sent, but he hoped. Finally came time for him to be released. He had nowhere else to go but home. There was a train that went right to his hometown and actually the backyard of his parents' home was right beside the train tracks. So as the train went by, it would go right by his house. So his last letter, he wanted to work up some courage. He said, Mom, Dad, I know I've embarrassed you. I know I've hurt you. And I would understand if you just don't have anything to do with me. But I do want to come home. If you could just give me a sign that I can come home. He said, what I want you to do is just put a, a white ribbon on the tree in the yard that I can see from the train as the train passes by. Well, it came time to go home, got out of the prison, ended up on the train. He began sitting to the person next to him. and As the trip progressed, he told his story. And he started getting so nervous as they got near the house. And he said to the person beside him, I, I can't look. I just can't. I, I just can't look. He said, I'm gonna, he said, I'm almost sick. Will you look for me? I'm going to close my eyes and we'll go by. You look for me and you tell me if you see a ribbon on the tree. And he agreed. And so the guy closed his eyes and he began to shake and he didn't know what to do. He just felt lost and hopeless. And as they approached the town, then they came by his parents' house. Suddenly, the passenger beside him grabbed the man's leg and just began to shake it. And he said, he said, the tree, the tree. He said, there's not a ribbon on it. The whole tree is white because it's covered with ribbons. That's the cross. We've wronged God. We've been against God. But the cross is covered with the ribbons of forgiveness. And he says, come home. I implore you, I plead with you, if there's some broken relationship of a loved one, get it right. Why have a bunch of stupid pride? Just let it go. It's just not worth it. Relationships need to be right. The cross is full of white ribbons that say forgive. And we're called to forgive as we've been forgiven. May that mark us on this Mother's Day that we be a people of family that are close and not separate. Let's pray. Father, thank You for a great day to be together. Uh, Lord, to hear such wonderful words, God of the impact of a, of a mother and grandmother. And Father, for reminding us of the impact of those special ladies in our own lives. Father, here we are at a time to do business with You. We've thought about the incredible 
struggle relationship uh, for Mary. But you chose her for that, God. You worked in her life. And I believe that it didn't come totally natural, that there was a letting go, there was a struggle. And that's true for all parents, too, and for the kids. And I just pray, Lord, that you speak to our hearts this morning. We need to do business with you. Maybe this is not the relationship we have with our kids or our parents. Maybe this is a relationship we have with our Heavenly Father that needs to be made right. Maybe we need to say, Jesus, forgive me and come live in my heart. And I'm tired of just playing stupid games. And I want, I want things to be right. So come in and forgive me and make me whole, Lord. Uh, Father, I know you would love that for anyone here who's at that point. For others of us that need to come to the altar and pray and need to place our hearts in your hands and to let you fix areas that need your touch. Lord, I just pray that you'd have a freedom to work. Lord, we need you, we love you, we cry out to you that you might be honored and glorified. Father, you are special and we adore you and we give you freedom to do your work. In this time of response, Lord, help us respond. In your name we pray. Amen.